Hello there, this interview that you're about to hear was originally done by me, Sam Roscoe or Chris Prince for the Blue Moon podcast sometime between 2009 and now. That means if there's anything that sounds a bit out of date or if there's anything that's an obvious topic that we've not asked the guest about, it's probably because the interview is from a long time ago. This show is basically the Blue Moon podcast interview archive. All of the new interviews that we do with former City players and managers will go live on the Blue Moon podcast first, so if you like what you hear then please go and subscribe to that and there's a new show every Friday with a look at everything on and off the pitch for City. But for now enjoy the end of this generic recorded message and enjoy the interview with the person whose name is in the title of this episode. I I think me along with all the other lads I think we realised what a big game big game it was not not only in that season but obviously it's easier now thinking about I suppose but in the history of the club if if we'd have languished in that division for much longer who knows what would have happened so we, we knew that we had to get out of that Division at all costs, and and it did go down to obviously the last game at Wembley, and it was massive. And I and, it, and I sensed there was a little bit of uh, of tension, knowing that we were massive favourites. Um, we had everything to lose, nothing to win, really. Um, so I, I sensed that amongst the lads, and, and certainly I felt that myself. I mean, it wasn't long after you'd arrived that City kind of started to drop down into the, into that division. What what was it like when you arrived at the club? When I arrived, it was massive. I, I, Without sounding big, I, I, I had a few options to me, open to me. I, I was obviously scoring a lot of goals at Swindon, and there was a few clubs, well, like most clubs, are interested in goal-scoring midfielders. And at that time, there was there was a few options open to me. And Steve, Steve McMahon was my manager at, at Swindon, and, and he, I, I never forget it. He rang me on the Thursday morning and said, "Look, we've had a bid from Manchester City and another club. We've accepted Man City's offer. Can't, you can go and speak to him." And I and, and I like I was a young boy. I said, what, "What would you do?" He said, "If I was you," he said, "I would go and speak to Manchester City." He said, "It's a massive club. Yes, they're not in the the top division at the time, which there was a, a couple looking at me." He said, "But that don't mean nothing. It's a massive club." He said, "Just go and speak to them and see what." And I drove up in my sponsored Swindon car um, and signed that evening. I'd made my mind up straight away. I met Frank Clark and Franny Lee. Uh, they sold it to me, and looking back, I'm, I'm chuffed that I did. Now, obviously, um, suffered relegation pretty pretty soon after you arrived. How? What was the mood like around the club? Well, when I first arrived, it, I, I obviously didn't notice it. I, I hadn't been at the club when when it had seen the highs a few years before, where they obviously had a, a few big names and stuff. So I didn't actually see that. And I, I come from a smaller club in Swindon, obviously. So, so to me, it was it was big and brand new and and exciting. And saying I was really looking forward to it. It wasn't until obviously a little bit down the line that we, we did drop down. Then I realised what a fairly big mess we were getting into. City obviously then in the second division um, for the, I think for the start of your first full season at the club. Um, how what was that? What was the team like at that time? What what was the the ultimate aim of that season? I, th- I think as a, as a club, like every season, you set targets, and it's always to be successful. Obviously. Um, we knew we had to get out of that division. It was it was something that we had to do, and it's, it's difficult because obviously the disappointment of the season before getting relegated away to Stoke was, was was a massive blow, and obviously players left, and you regroup and, and you try and pull yourself together and, and kick on, and, and we found it difficult. Although on our day we was the best team in that division by a mile, even though good players had left, we were everybody's cup final. We were going to away games, smaller grounds taking full crowds with it and it just added to the atmosphere and, and piled the pressure on it if, if you like although we should have been able to deal with it at times it, it did get to you we knew we had a lot of responsibility on our shoulders 
to get out of that division and at times it didn't quite happen for us but luckily enough it did in the end. So uh, if we talk about um, kind of the run up to Wembley, City kind of went on a, a, a mad late season run of form and, and were, were pushing for that second automatic promotion place. How were you feeling when the team, when it was obvious that the team wouldn't quite make it? Yeah, I remember it quite well actually because my friend of mine was, was playing for Walsall at the time and I think they were a team that actually ended up going up. Um, it was like nip and tuck. And I, and I remember, well, I think, I think it was a way to, was it a way to Wrexham or your Wrexham, I think it was, Boxing Day. I think I, I took a corner and Jared Vekin scored. And then from that day, we went on a, just a mad run of winning games and it did look like we were going to sneak in and we didn't. And the worrying thing about that is you get so close and then have that disappointment and it sometimes have a negative effect on you going into playoffs because you're on a low where someone that sneaked into the playoffs is in a high of getting there. Um, but, but, yeah, it, it, we, we, we still knew that it was all, all to play for and we knew that if we had performed well in the, in the playoffs then we would have a real good chance of, of winning them. And two games against Wigan to start with. Um, well, I mean, were you looking at that as, well, City are favourites but we've got to be careful? I think you always have to, yeah. It's always difficult. And like I said, it was like that that whole season and the playoffs were no different. We was we was massive favourites. We were a big club uh, in a small pond and everyone wanted to shoot us down. Everybody wanted to see us foul. Everyone wanted us to, to come out with egg on our face and it was difficult. And I remember we away we, we didn't have a great start. So I think Gerard left the ball, Gerard Vickson left the ball for Nicky Weaver and you find yourself 1-0 down and, and a mountain to climb straight away but lucky enough we climbed it got a little bit fortunate maybe um, with the Goats Gart main road was it handball was it not if I'm totally honest I don't particularly care um, but uh, maybe it was written in the stars that we were going to win it that way that, that year and um, how were you feeling on the morning of, uh, of Wembley I mean you've, you've stayed at the team hotel and you, you know, you've seen that you've, you've been out you've seen the weather the weather's awful how, how were you preparing for that game we, we, we tried to keep it as low-key as possible. I think Joe, Joe was good at that. He took the pressure off the boys. He, he kept it quite quite low-key as if there was no pressure on us, although we knew there was. Uh, and maybe that's where I sort of come into Joe's plans a little bit. I, I, I've heard things since I've left City and and, and Joe didn't sign me just because of the... Or, or Joe didn't have me at Ipswich just because of the player I was after. I think he seen me as, as a little bit of a... Um, person that can take the pressure. I used to have a laugh in the dressing room. I used to um, have a bit of fun. And, and and later now, I know, I speak to people in Ipswich, he actually signed me for Ipswich for that reason. Uh, not just my footballing beat. So, so Joe kept it low-key and I tried to, to keep it that way as well and had a bit of fun. And But we knew it was a big game. We, you, could, you could sense it, it was building. Um, and it was a game that we had to win. So that, that adds pressure in itself without having to deal with the opposition that were coming to try and beat us as well, and, and Gillian were a big, strong team. Well, Joe's told me about um, a standing in the rain competition with uh, Jeff Whitley. Yeah, it was. We'd been out for for Walter Boys. Obviously, we got down to Wembley, uh, the hotel, sorry, and, and was relaxing. We just all went out for a walk and a cup of coffee down the road. And on the way back, it was um, there was like a monsoon. It was torrential rain, and we was um, me and Jeff were stood outside. A few of the boys obviously rushed in, and it's, it's, it obviously sounds pretty immature now, I suppose, but. At the time, I, I, Jeff, me and Jeff were stood there and there was a few tourists obviously taking pictures of the rain, eventually taking pictures of me and Jeff because we looked bloody idiots, to be fair. But I just said, Jeff, I'm not going there. I'm going to stay out as long as possible. And then Jeff being Jeff, he said, yep, I'm staying out as well then. So it turned into a little bit of a standoff who was going to stay in the rain the longest. And 
when we say rain, it was unbelievable rain. It was actually torrential. And then we looked over, or I looked over Jeff's shoulder. We stood there getting drenched, as you do. Uh, and Joe Royal was in the glass window of the hotel saying, get yourself in here now. So, obviously, then it was the survival of the bravest. Um, and Jeff went in first. But it was funny. Joe, I think probably Joe laughs about it now. He weren't best pleased at the time. Obviously, we had a big game the next day. But they were the sort of things that sort of took the, the tension off the boys. Obviously, the boys found it quite funny. Um, Joe pretended he was angry, but I'm sure he, he was laughing inside. And now onto the game itself. Um, what do you remember of, of first off walking out onto the onto the pitch because you had to come from behind the goal in them days? Yeah, it was unbelievable. I, I, in all honesty, I, and people say it a lot about games at Wembley. I don't remember that much about the game apart from. My, my terrible miss with a header that edits straight the keeper and, and, and obviously the, the ending. The actual walkout was, was was special. Not not just that, it was the turning up at Wembley, turning up and seeing all the blues there, um, especially after what we'd put them through that season. Um, the grounds we had had to go to, the, the disappointment of losing to, to teams that we should never have even, without disrespecting them teams, we should never have been playing them. Um, but we'd put ourselves in that position. So turning up and seeing the support that we had was... was well, it was it was overwhelming, really. Um, and then walking out on the pitch was obviously a special moment. And then the end was special. The, the middle bit was not so special, if I'm honest. I want to, I want to ask you about that. I mean, you're, you're there, you're thinking, you know, we've, there's about 10 minutes to go in Gillingham score. What was, your, what was your reaction to that? When they scored the first one, I, I just always believed that we'd get back in it. We had that fighting spirit. We'd shown it that year when we had to. Um, so I, I still thought we, we'd, we'd get back in it. But then once they scored... Second, I thought that was it, if I'm totally honest, as did everybody, even Gillian. I, I'll never forget it. I, I remember the ball got cleared down into our left-back position and it rolled out of play and I think we had a throw-in down near our own corner flag. And I turned and, and I was thinking, oh, we've got to go back to... I won't name the clubs. We've got to go back there, we've got to go back there. Oh, dear, what, 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 what's happened? And I remember looking up and seeing their two centre-halves cuddling each other, jumping up and down on the spot. And, and, and that, that will always stick with me because... The disappointment I felt at that moment was, was incredible. Um, and then, obviously, half an hour later, it all changed. And, yeah, it was incredible. It's, it's actually sometimes I have to pinch myself and ask myself, did it really happen? Talk me through your goal then, because I think that was... Uh, that was uh, obviously, it came at a really key time just as the stoppage time board went up. So, so talk me through, what do you remember of it? All I remember is... is, is as a player, you obviously want to get back in the game so much. I just remember trying to cover as much ground as I could. When we were defending, I tried to defend so we, because we obviously couldn't concede another one. Um, and then I just remember the ball breaking forward and, and remember thinking, right, I need to get to the edge of the area as quick as I can. Obviously, I weren't the quickest player in the world, but I tried to get there as quick as I can. And, and, and lucky enough, maybe being that little bit slow, it enabled me to run onto the ball rather than backpedal for it. Um, but I remember just arriving and the ball just seemed to come across to me and... All, all, I, all I really thought was hit the target, head down, get a good connection on it and hit the target. And lucky enough, I did. I, I caught it quite sweet uh, and it obviously went in. And, and even then, I know it sounds terrible, and I, I've said it many times in interviews, on a selfish point, I still didn't think that was enough. I, I, I didn't envisage what was going to happen after that, obviously, but I thought the time was up. And, and on a personal point, and I know it sounds dreadfully selfish, but I thought, oh, we've, we've had a terrible day, but I've scored at Wembley. Um, and I tell the grandkids that. Obviously, the story went on, and, and it's, it's obviously a better story to tell the grandkids now. But um, yeah, that's what I thought. I still didn't think we had no chance whatsoever. But it was, it was, yeah, it was a good strike. I suppose you look at it as, as quite, quite a good goal. I suppose because I, I stayed quite composed. But 
maybe that was due to the fact that I thought the game was over anyway. Maybe it was, if it was to equalise like Dickies was, I'd probably skied it. Now, obviously, um, you've seen the board go up with five minutes. What was your reaction to that then? Did, you, did that suddenly kind of galvanise the team? I think it did, and I think the five minutes took the stuffing out of Gillian. I think they'd made a lot of substitutions that they took forwards off, so they didn't have any real offensive threat to us then. So it was a matter of them trying to hold on, and everybody knows if you're trying to hold on to something, it's very difficult if a team's camped in your half. And we threw everything at them. We had a few half chances before actually Dicky scored, and I suppose if you want a, you want a chance to, to fall to anyone, he's Dicky, he's, he's tenacious, he's, he's on your shoulder, he's ready for anything to, to drop, and, and, and lucky enough it did, and it was a great finish. What do you remember of that finish? I remember having a little... So to be fair, I mentioned his goal more than mine, because obviously no one remembers mine now, but I actually had a touch in the build-up, and, and you, it's hard to see on the video. Um, and the ball came out, and I just touched it around the corner to, to Goats, I think it was, and obviously Goats got tackled. Um, I just remember him striking through the ball, and I, and I just remember seeing the, the obviously net rippling, and, and yeah, it was unbelievable. We all went off. Uh, I've... Um, I'm not mentioning it too often, but the one thing I remember after that is, is Dickie's run off like he did. He obviously ran off and, and the famous picture of him sliding on his knees. Me being obviously a little bit slower, I had a real bad ankle at the time f- f- from, from a kick on it at the start of extra time, so my ankle was quite swollen. The time I got to the celebration, everyone was sort of half getting up, um, and I'll never forget it. Dickie sort of went to throw his arm in the air in celebration, and he actually slipped and lost his foot and fell on his face but no one really see it and I, and, and, and I sort of laughed to him as we was walking back to the halfway line I said oh my day and we had a bit of banter but no I don't think anybody else see it I don't think it's kept caught on camera I don't think the City fans see it because um, they're obviously ecstatic and jumping about the lads that had celebrated at the start had obviously walked back to positions that obviously tied because we'd, we'd put so much effort in to get straight but Dickie oh, well I'd like to think Dickie remembers it it was quite funny and then obviously extra time, um, 30 more minutes in the game. Gillingham obviously having the stuffing knocked out of them, as you said. Were you disappointed not to have, have gone on to win it in extra time? In hindsight, no, because then we wouldn't have had the excitement of penalties. But yeah, I think, I, I think we'd worked so hard to get back into it. I think it got to the stage where, where both teams didn't want to lose. And, and it became a little bit of a stalemate. And, a, and a, well, the extra time was, was point, pointless, really. It was a bit boring and nothing really happened. And I think that was due to the fact that I just said, I, I, I think so. Team, the teams have come so far and, and we'd worked so hard to get back in it, they nearly threw it away. And I think both teams, it looked like, settled for penalties and deal with it that way. And obviously City's regular penalty taker, were you, you, you must have known before the game, if it went to penalties, you'd be first up. Yeah, I knew I'd, I'd be involved in them. Saying that, I, I think penalties are, are important. That whoever takes them, they've got to want to take it. it, it you, you can't really have someone going up if they're not sure about, if they're confident enough. And, and to be fair, I'd missed penalties. I, I think it says in the commentary, I'd missed the one before. So I wasn't no hotshot penalty taker, but I was confident enough. I, I was brave enough. I was one of the older players in the group. Um, so I said, yeah, go on, I'll go on, I'll go up first. And obviously, what do you, I mean, from hero to villain, you see Paul Dickoff equalise in the last minute and then he's at both posts. I mean, is that something that you've ever seen before? That was inc- it was just an incredible day, wasn't it? The game itself wasn't incredible, but the, the actual way it evolved and, and Dickie scoring so late and then penalty, but I've never seen that before in, in, in my time. Um, but yeah, it was just added to the excitement, didn't it? And, and, and more surprising, what about Richard Edgell's top corner? Uh, that was more surprising. <laughs> do, you know who, do you know who was fifth on the list? I don't. People ask me that quite a lot. I, I actually don't. No, uh, I don't. Um, I've been told it's the, it was the GOAT. I would imagine it would have been, yeah. 
Yeah, lucky enough we didn't. Well, Goats would have scored anyway. It would have probably come off his shin, mine, but it would have gone in. <laughs> now then, obviously, um, having been promoted that season, um, City went on a, a right run of form the next year and ended up uh, taking second place in, uh, in Division 1 to get back-to-back promotions. What was the aim at the start of the second season there? Like I said before, to be successful. And, and I think a team coming up, obviously you have to be a little bit sensible because... We'd lost the players from the year before and you're trying to galvanise and, and, and sign better players. But I, I think with the, with the backing we had, the support we had, we had to think playoffs. We had to think playoffs and obviously, outspokenly, you'd probably say playoffs within the camp. We, we wanted to get promoted as champions. And then, obviously, the final day at Blackburn is another um, historic day in the club's um, in the club's history. Mm. You've got a team in Blackburn who were mid-table, you've, uh, who had battered City all through the first half, and Ipswich were winning at, uh, at Portman Road, and it all looked like it was going wrong. How were you feeling, kind of like at half time? Then, if I'm totally honest, yeah, it felt like it was going to go wrong, um, but I'd had that feeling before the year before, so it certainly didn't mean that I was going to give up or, or we weren't going to give up. It was, yeah, you underestimated it when you said they batted. I think I can't remember how many times they hit the post. I remember it just felt like I was hitting the woodwork all the time. And then when we went behind, you had to ask yourself, was there anything left in us to get back in it? Um, a few people, or a few of us, a good number of us, I think probably shied away from it on the day. We didn't perform as well as we could have. Certainly when we was under the cosh, um, whether it be nerves or being scared of, of failure, I'm not sure, but... When, once we got back in it, and then certainly once we got our, our nose in front, we obviously everybody wanted the ball and be a part of it. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, an, it was a special day. And you had a hand in, in getting City back into that game because it was your ball that that go to score the equaliser from. Yeah, it's one of the, similar to the Gillingham. Well, I, I, like I said, I was trying to cover as much ground as possible, and I sort of, I think Mark Kennedy went down the left, and obviously Mark was was a fairly quick player. Although everybody was quick compared to me, he got down the left, and I just remember thought oh, I back him up, I back him up, and he just rolled a ball inside to me. And we all know what the goat is about. It, if, if, if the if the ball goes in the box, he's going to be there or thereabouts. So I just put it in an area. Basically, I, I was always told as, as as a as a young lad, if you're in a crossing position, put it in between a goalkeeper and the back four, the corridor of uncertainty where defenders don't want to defend it, goalies can't come for it, and. It, looking back, it was, it was probably textbook um, corridor of uncertainty where no one could deal with it, and obviously Ghost just peeled up round the back, and that was an easy finish for me. It was what it was all about, and we knew if we got him the ball in good areas, he'd always get us back in it. What was it like then to suddenly be in this squad that was that hadn't changed too much from the Division Two days, and you were Premier, you were a Premier League team? Yeah, it was crazy. It was obviously the place that everybody wants to play football, so. Um, to get promoted and then do it again, like I say, with not many changes, was, was, was special, really. But maybe that, that says we shouldn't have perhaps got in the position we were the year before, underachieved that, that year. But all's well that ends well. You know, we, got, we got back to the club to where, where it should be and deserve to be, where the fans deserve to be watching their, their team play. And um, Obviously, it's a massive part of, of, of my life. It was, it was, it was life-changing, really, to, to sit down and say I was part of that. It's, it's massive. What was that team spirit like? Yeah, it was special. I mentioned it to my boys here all the time. We, we, had, we had some good players, obviously, but I, I think a lot of our, our, our togetherness and team spirit got us through. You can have a good team, but if you haven't got team spirit, then in my eyes, you haven't got a lot. Uh, and we d- definitely had team spirit. We, we definitely had that. We never knew when we were done. We'd, we weren't all mates. We weren't 
all social together outside of, of football. But when we trained, when we played, we was one. And I think that showed. Now, obviously, City were relegated at the end of that season, couldn't quite um, score enough goals to, to stay in the division, I think Joe Royal um, said in the end. What, what was it kind of like? Did it feel like a turbulent time in the club's history? Because, I mean, you'd only been there three or four years and you're going up, down, up, down all the time. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. And, and once, when you're involved with it, I, just, I, just, I suppose you just get on with it and think it's normal. It, um, yeah, it was, it, it was nuts. But it, I'd never change it. Looking back now, obviously at the time getting rele- relegated is, is a horrible, horrible feeling. But um, looking back now when it's all done and dusted and seeing where the club is now, uh, I wouldn't change it. But it did, it did feel fairly turbulent, I must admit. And then obviously um, a change of manager again, uh, your second change of manager since, since joining City. What was, it, what was it like when you heard that Joe Royal had uh, lost his job? Yeah, it's disappointing. Whenever you, you, you see a manager lose his job, uh, especially when you don't half expect it. Um, it sort of comes out the blue. Joe was was a, was a top man, and obviously I got a lot of respect for him. He, he brought me to Ipswich as well, so I had quite a good relationship with Joe. Um, so it was massively disappointing, but it, it sometimes does give give the club a lift when a new man comes in, especially uh, as big a name as Kevin Keegan. It gives the whole place a lift, uh, and in hindsight, maybe it was the right thing to do. What was that that season in Division One? What was that Keegan team like? In Division One, I know it's not the Premiership, but at that time in Division One, it was like the dream team. It was unbelievable to be a part of. He got us playing football like like I'd never really been involved with before, uh, and thankfully he made me or Keegan made me a fairly big part of it. I played in the middle with some unbelievable players, and I enjoyed every minute of it. It, it was it was fun, and, and at times it we, we become a little bit a bit arrogant in many ways, where we knew we knew we was going to go and win games. It was it was. It was unbelievable. It was a massive contrast to the, to the season in, in the league below, whereas we were thinking, oh, nervous. We used to go out on the pitch and we just knew we were going to batter teams. Obviously, we had good players, which always helps. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was massive. And, and, again, it was, it was a really good thing to be part of. What was, what was the difference, then, between Kevin Keegan and, and Joe Royal in terms of, in terms of management? I don't, I don't know really. If I, I'll be totally honest. I don't think on a, on a day-to-day basis and or in the dressing room there wasn't too much difference. If I'm honest, but I don't know. Maybe football-wise, maybe um, just that change of face, that that change of voice. Maybe obviously there was a bit of change of personnel in the playing side as well, and it just changed the dynamics of, of the way we played football. Obviously, the added bonus of having a, a little wizard like Ali Benabi in your team always helps. Ile Berkovic. And Elko obviously, cut. it was just, yeah, it, we, we signed good players, didn't we? Um, and Keegan got us playing in the right way and we was entertaining, we scored goals and it worked. And then obviously one promotion that season uh, to Cantor in the end, um, going on to, to score uh, one of, I think at that time, one of the record totals of number of goals in the league. How were you feeling that time going into the Premiership compared to um, having just sneaked up the, year before, uh, the couple of years earlier? Yeah, I, th- I think we, we went into... To, that campaign, obviously, a lot more confident. We, we certainly had, well, we had, we had a better squad that, that could probably cope with it more. We had some big names in there as well that were proven in the Premier League, which we probably hadn't had before. We, we were more or less a team of, of Championship players, so we, we were well. Well, it was more armoured to, to deal with it, and it obviously proved that. And obviously, some big games um, in the in the final season at Main Road. I mean, what what were the standout ones for you? I don't remember too much about him, if I'm honest. I know 
it, it sounds. I, I remember the, the, the biggest one for me is, is the last game at Main Road. I remember, and that was through disappointment. Really, obviously, I'd been at the club a long time, and I was desperate to be part of the last game at Main Road. And when I wasn't, it was fairly upsetting, if I'm honest. Um, obviously, a young Joe Barton had been coming through the youth ranks and doing well, which which you accept as a player. You accept as a player, but I don't know. Last game at Main Road, I, I was hoping. Uh, you can't you can't look, look back on it like that. But I suppose I was hoping that because I'd been there such a long time, I was the longest-serving player at the time. Keegan may have played me in it. And uh, obviously the uh, the final derby at Main Road. Um, what do you remember of that? That was the one I come on as a sub, didn't I? Uh, I was sub for it. I, I didn't get to play in too many derbies. I'm honest. I think I started one at Old Trafford. Joe left me out of one at Main Road. So. In terms of derbies, I, I didn't have a lot to do with them, if I'm honest. But I remember coming on as sub in it, and I think uh, O'Shea had a chance to score late on. I was on the post and it went over, and that was my last memory of it, really. But it was obviously a good one for us. And um, you mentioned there Joey Barton, a young Joey Barton coming through. Um, I've, I, there's a season review DVD um, of you saying uh, that he's come on and taken your place, so you've got to, you've got to give him a, a, a good game now. Um, obviously, you've just done some coaching badges with him. Yeah. Um, is, that, is that something that you've kind of uh, kept tabs on, how, how he's been doing? Uh, obviously, yeah, it's hard not to keep tabs on Joey. He's, he's always there or thereabouts, isn't he? But Joe, Joey's a top lad. At the time, he, he was a young boy coming through, and he obviously had bags of ability, but the thing that stood out for me with Joey was uh, his willingness to work hard. And, and he, to be fair, he was never phased. He would train with the lads, um, and you'd think you'd train with them all the time. You wouldn't think he was a young boy. Um, so, yeah, he did. He came and took my place. And... We have a little bit of joke about it when we was away in Ireland doing our badges, but he's gone on and, and been really successful and, and fair play to him. And, and sometimes he gets bad press. I know, know not everybody likes him and he's controversial at times, but his heart's in the right place and, and, he, and he's a nice lad. And uh, obviously both of you are big Twitter users now. Well, he's a bit bigger than me, but yeah, yeah, we, we have a bit of banter on there and, and stuff, but he's a little bit more high profile than me. Explain to me, uh, a second yellow card for, uh, for aggressive walking... Where do I start? It's bizarre. I think it's probably the only one that's ever been given for that that reason. And it was just a strange one, like, like I said to you. It was it was um, a, a big crowd that day in Bournemouth. Obviously, the majority were, were Man City fans, and I don't know whether it just got to the ref. I think there'd been Jamie Pollock had just been sent off previously, uh, and there'd been a few dodgy tackles flying around. Obviously, like I said before, we were, we were big fish in a small pond, and everyone wanted to kick us and beat us and see us foul, and. I think there was a break-up in play. I don't know what had happened. Someone had gone down injured, but there had been a tackle about a minute before on the halfway line. And I was just walking to the ref to ask the question. What? And I didn't even speak. Uh, and that's the craziest thing. I, I, I tell you, in his report, it said I didn't even didn't swear. I didn't say nothing to him. I was walking towards him, um, and he just flashed the card at me. And, and obviously, oh, I've turned around, and I've not seen footage of it. I don't think it's about, but I've sort of looked over my shoulder thinking he's throwing it to somebody else that's maybe behind me fighting or whatever they're doing. And he said, no, you, off you go. And I said, what for? He said, off you go. So I've sort of wondered what was going on. I, I walked off into the dressing room and Jamie Pollock was just getting out of the shower, obviously being sent off previously. And he said to me, what have you been sent off for? And my answer was, I actually don't know. And it wasn't until after Joe's obviously come in after the game and said, what, what did you say? I said, I didn't actually say anything. He said, you must have swore. I said, I didn't, sw- I didn't say nothing. I didn't say anything to him. Um, and then the, the referee's report come through and he, he's, his words were, he sent me off for walking towards him in an aggressive manner, um, which, which is, I don't know, it's bizarre, isn't it? 
I say to everybody, I, I walked fairly quick to him, maybe, I don't know, and maybe I've got one leg short and the other that maybe looked like I was looking a little bit aggressive, probably had a skinhead at the time, but I certainly weren't aggressive, I was just going to go and ask him about a foul previously, but it's something that obviously everyone remembers, and it's funny now, but it wasn't at the time when I ended up missing a few games because of it. Now then, I want to talk to you about what happened uh, after you left City, um, because uh, obviously now uh, these days you've, uh, you're working here at Needham Market. You've uh, you've got the um, is it the assistant at yeah, uh, Northern Ireland? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I, obviously I left City. I went back to West Ham, which in hindsight I should never have done. I still had two years left at City, but I've said it in interviews before. I realised for, for not me, but for the club, I was a, I was. A, a fairly good championship player premiership player I was probably a little bit short and I'm honest about that and brave enough to say that and, and Keegan pulled me and said that obviously I played a massive part the year before and, and done really well you're not going to play as many games the next season Joey Barton's coming through and we're looking to bleed him into the team so I just thought the time was right for me to leave I, obviously with it being West Ham which is a club I supported as a kid um, made the decision a little bit easier um, so it was the right time for me to leave. Wasn't looking back. Wasn't the right decision because obviously managers changed at West Ham, and I quickly found myself out of favour onto Ipswich with Joe, which um, was good. I enjoyed it for two years. I, I went there and played, and, and it was a good football club. And then once I finished through injury, I went to Doncaster. I had a couple of bad injuries. I had a bad knee injury, um, which they said I should have stopped playing really. But me being me, I wouldn't listen. Uh, so I tried to get fit, and I did. I got as fit as I, I'd, I'd been for years and years. And then on the second day back, not too many people know this, but um, I was messing around on the training ground, obviously being excited that my knee was good. And I dived in a puddle and dislocated my shoulder. And that more or less ended my career. Um, so, yeah, I had four pins put in my shoulder through diving in a puddle. And that was the end of the, old, the professional game. And then I moved back to my house in Suffolk which I had from when I was at Ipswich and, and I still had my knee was, was good and obviously my shoulder got better over time and I, I still had an urge I, I obviously missed the day-to-day stuff of being involved in football so I looked to, to play part-time um, and through a friend Fabian Wilness who used to play for Ipswich he, he said oh, have you tried Need and Market and, and to be honest with you I drove past this club every morning on the way to Ipswich and didn't know it existed um, so I come down trained they had a young manager at the time and a young team and I thought yeah I'll be part of that I, I wanted to be part of something that, that that could potentially kick on and, and do well. So I come down and train Tuesday and Thursday evenings and played Saturdays, which at the time, at this level, without sounding too bad, players that had played in the Premiership didn't play at this level. Um, so at first there was a few raised eyebrows on why I was doing it um, and what I was going to be like, but I'm still at this football club. Um, so if you asked anybody, that they'd say I, I give everything like I did in any match. I'd always give everything because as a footballer, I had a half decent foot, but I was limited, so I had to work harder than anybody. Um, so I'd do that, even if I went out now and played a five-a-side with the boys upstairs, I'd always work hard. So I'm, I'm still here, still enjoying it, run the academy here now, and, it, and it's been brilliant. This is my third season, and seeing boys develop and, and trying to help them and, and give them a little bit of experience that I had over the years off all the good managers that I've had, um, and seeing them progress, and I've had a boy just be signed for Ipswich, um, Gives, gives me a lot. It gives me a lot. Not not as good as playing football. Nothing ever will be. Um, certainly at a club like Man City, but um, it's probably the second best thing. Is it something you always wanted to get involved in after your career finished? No. I, 
it sounds it sound bizarre now and, and even me saying it makes me think what was I thinking I thought I was going to play football forever uh, you just you just don't think it's ever going to end I just thought I was going to play forever and ever didn't see it ever stopping I and mean, until the day it does obviously um, I would have never said I'd have coached and probably if you ask any any people that know me being the joker I was and messing around and not listening to coaches they'd probably say Kevin Allock would never be a coach but I enjoy it and, and I think I'm half decent at it um, I think the boys enjoy being here and, and me coaching them so yeah it's a strange one but I'm enjoying it I'm enjoying it and climbing the ladder slowly and then of course you got the call from, from Northern Ireland what was your reaction to that? Obviously excited, it was out of the blue really. I, what happened, obviously I went away and done the A licence in, in Ireland and obviously I'd, I'd, I'd played international football, football for them so I was out there coaching and, and a lad I used to play with, Steve Robinson, he's the manager under the 21s and also an assessor on the, on the coaching course um, and I was coaching and I obviously looked and, and maybe I stood out a little bit because I'd been coaching here for, for a couple of years whereas other people hadn't and he said to me, he just said, look, there's a chance that assistant with the under-21s might come up on a part-time basis, would you be interested? And I said, yeah, of course I would. Of course I would. I, obviously, my day-to-day job at Needham Market, um, obviously, as long as that's not going to get affected, then, then I'd definitely be interested. And s- straight away, uh, I, I got back. I think the lad that was doing it before got a job with Cardiff, and he rang me and said, look, it's available, would you want to do it? And I met him in London and agreed to, to get involved. But I, I, I loved it, obviously, playing, coaching, coaching is what I do now and, and if you can coach at a higher level then obviously it's, 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 it's your aim.